certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. The Claremont serial killings trial hit an unexpected delay today, with Justice Stephen Hall demanding an explanation. Welcome to week 10. Natalie Bongiolo in the studio with Tim Clark and Alison Fan. Well, no one saw this one coming. How did this unravel today? Full surprise, um, total shock, and um, yes, we wait to see what's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't the best start for uh, a Monday morning, particularly for Carmel Barbagallo, because she had to basically stand up in court and say, "Your Honour, I'm very sorry, but I need at least two days." <laughs> to sort out something that's happened over the weekend and that something was some many hundreds of documents um, from Pathwest files somehow hadn't found their way onto the court file and most importantly hadn't found their way to the defence. They related to some DNA testing that Pathwest had done in 2003 on these crucial fingernails and um, yeah it was an almighty uh, roadblock that really no one saw coming. And it's not really something that would happen in a trial like this ordinarily. I mean, were you absolutely gobsmacked by this? Absolutely. I'd go further and say it's a blunder somewhere along the lines. I mean, they've had a long time to prepare these. We know there's a lot of documents, but um, they only found about it the weekend. And I think the defence lawyer and the judge wants to please explain mm. as quickly as possible. Yeah. How did this happen? When did it happen? Why did it happen? Yeah, well, the judge, when a judge of Stephen Hall's experience said it's uh, it's extremely disappointing and... Uh, Unsatisfactory, and, and satisfactory you know there's a lot more in between those two words that he wanted to say um, I think that's legalese for that he's very very crappy yeah, yes <laughs> um and i mean ali's right he has actually asked for a formal please explain in the in the way of a statement from um, pathwest staff to 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 ask how this happened um and also uh, um Mr. Jovic wanted, like wanted well. exactly <laughs> the same explanation. So, so yes, um, there'll be some. Um, there is literally some explaining to do for for, for Pathwest. Well, before we go through the details of of what this um, glitch is, we'll just have a chat to criminal defence lawyer Damien Cripps, who's calling in from Perth Airport. And Damien, I understand you're about to jump on the plane, so thank you for um, giving us your time on this. How surprised are you by this unexpected delay? Well, um, thanks for having me on, guys. I hope everyone's well. Um, the, the the way that I read this is potentially a little bit different, um, and, and this is just my personal view, but people make mistakes, and you can imagine that in uh, a trial of this magnitude and with the amount of materials and the amount of time that's gone by, um, it's to some extent understandable that people make mistakes. And, and when I say that, I, I mean, I agree with what Ali was saying, um, which I think... Tim reflected on as well that the, the sentiment um, of court was someone needs to explain how this happens. I don't disagree with that. I think it's certainly a case where when you've got so many um, people affected by um, a trial like this, somebody has to explain how we get to a point this deep in the trial where we've got no, where we're missing um, disclosure. However, people make mistakes. So the, the judges... Um, charged with keeping the trial moving and keeping the costs at bay. That's one of the things that he has to keep in mind. So every day that this trial goes uh, on and over, <clears throat> it's costing the state money. And so that that would be certainly a, a thought in um, everyone's mind. But it would also be a case where um, 
I guess one of the big problems that arises here is that we're in the middle of a trial and for the purposes of the defence, they don't know what's in those documents. They, there could be something in there that actually changes the dynamic of the whole trial. I, I, I certainly accept it's unlikely that, that, that there is, but there's certainly that possibility. So there's a number of reasons why it's a big problem, but my view is always that people make mistakes. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as a defence lawyer, you would be sympathetic still to the prosecution, given that we know we're talking about, you know, at one point, you know, Ali had said millions of documents. It's a lot of documents, Matt. And, and look, the, 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 I think we should go back a little bit further uh, in saying, um, as a defence lawyer, I think as a human is the starting point for <laughs> me being understanding. I'd be understanding that in a situation like this, um, although it's not ideal, it's certainly a case where this kind of thing can happen. The, the, the issue is, and I don't think there's been any suggestion of it, the, it, it's not intentional. It's not like the um, defence or pathways are trying try to hide anything. It's, it's simply a mistake. And, and so it's an unacceptable mistake, but it's something we've just got to deal with, which sounds like that's what they've done. They've put the, the um, they've put an adjournment down and we're moving on from what is a... Um, uh, mistake and we're just trying to get to the other side of it as quickly as quickly as we possibly can and I, I, I could almost guarantee you that the court would be hoping and praying that the defence don't find anything in those documents that are going to cause any further delays. Yeah. Tim, can you talk to us about um, the actual details within the documents that we're talking about and what they relate to? Yeah, so this was, um, we discussed it briefly on Friday. In 2003, uh, Pathwest uh, took it upon themselves to do some low copy number DNA testing on some of these fingernail um, exhibits that we know are so important. They weren't actually accredited to do this low copy number testing, which relates to tiny, tiny bits of DNA and the more advanced testing that was able to be done on them. But they claimed that they had the skills that could pay those bills. And so they did it anyway, not for court purposes, but for to hopefully give the investigators some new leads. Um, amongst those, when they did that testing, um, according to Mr. Bogdanovich's evidence on Friday, at, on at least one of those nails, this LCN testing, as it's known, discovered some a, a trace of male DNA, and that was pretty much where we left it on Friday. So we're all really looking forward to uh, a, a further explanation today as to um, um, what happened to that testing, um, whether it was legit, and whether they followed it up. Um, but obviously we didn't get there because as Ms. Barbagallo explained this morning, they were having a uh, pre-trial or in this case mid-trial conference with some Pathwest um, staff to come, particularly a scientist called Scott Egan. And um, it sounds like not only is Mr. Egan a, a witness, but he's also been the man that has been tasked with trying to find all the Pathways documentation on this case stretching back nearly 20 years. Um, when they were proofing him or when they were meeting with him on Saturday morning, um, amid all the hundreds and hundreds of documents, it, it turned up some documents relating to this uh, testing that, for, for whatever reason, had not been um, ha passed over 
most importantly to the defence. Um, it, it sounded like the prosecution were not really across them either, although they'd had longer, obviously, because they, they'd seen them over the weekend, realised that they weren't in the, the in the huge tranche of documents that had, that had gone through onto the court files and also onto Mr Jovic. And so it would appear there had been frantic phone calls all weekend, back and forth, and particularly between Mr Jovic and Mr Barbagallo, trying to ex- work out what's happened. And then there was some... Um, uh, I'm sure a very sheepish email had to be sent to Justice Hall and his associates either yesterday or early this morning explaining what was happening and just giving a, a, a red flag um, to say this is what I'm going to be asking for this morning um, and that's what she did She got uh, Miss Babagala got on her feet and you know our eyes widened as soon as we heard two day adjournment um, and to be fair to Mr Jovic he then stood up gave his position and said I this is not of Miss Barbara Gallo's making. I do not blame her. I'm not pointing the finger at her, but it is what it is, and it and it, we need to sort it out for the sake of the um, the smooth running of the trial. Um, and as Damien said, the most important thing is to get all these documents out into the open now, and then look at what they contain. Because m- most pertinently, if there is a difference between the, what these documents have to say and what the testing results that have already been disclosed have to say, then we do really have a problem um, um, in so much as that's going to take a lot more time to work out. And because Mr. Jovic needs time, um, m- most importantly, to get his cross-examination of Mr. Bagdonovicius ready and then for the other Pathwest um, scientists to come um, because there's what about a hundred? They said it wasn't just for a few documents. Well, that's right. So, uh, a USB stick was handed over to Mr. Jovic about five minutes before court, containing all the documents that these this new stuff relates to. That totaled about eight hundred and thirty odd documents. But Ms. Barbara Gallo said that's some that have already been disclosed, and the new ones, or the fresh ones, or the undisclosed ones. And she said we handed them all over in a batch so Mr. Jovich could get them all in context and be able to see them all as a as a package, I suppose. Um, and so that's how it was left. Um, the judge had only seen the very first document of them all as well, um, just moments before he, he got to court. Um, and so that's where it was left. It was all, uh, as uh, as the judge said, unsatisfactory. I mean, mm-hmm. as Damien said, these things do happen. Um, uh, once Damien's probably gone through customs, I, 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 I could talk about another trial last year that Mr. Jovich was involved that was a lot more serious than this in disclosure. But yes, it does happen. Mistakes happen. Of course they do. And to be honest, it it, it, it could be just a you know a bit of good fortune that we haven't had something happen before on such a major trial that you know it's taken to day 42 to for us to real hit our real first uh, snafu apart from the uh, the screens that needed to be hastily bought from office works a couple of weeks ago just be up just after christmas um but everyone's gone away now to try and work it out as quickly as they can and the point mr jovich also made was there's no point in in rushing back um, and getting, and, you know, and trying to get the trial back before this is all done properly. So, which is why I say um, Wednesday is 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 the day that yeah. we'll we'll find out. But it might not be the day that we get back on. And uh, for Perth West, more scrutiny, perhaps. Well, They've already been under scrutiny about things that have gone a little astray and things that have been mislabeled and things that haven't been labelled. Um, this is going to yeah. probably place more focus on their procedures. Well, that's so right. Just- so- 
just sorry, Natalie. Just just in real, uh, before, uh, before we move on too far from that, and I know we've discussed it before, but I think it's really important just um, on this point to just uh, reiterate that disclosure is the material that the, that the state have to provide to the defence before the trial, so the tr- so that defence can prepare their case to, to prepare for their client to answer their case. And, and one of the issues that might arise in this circumstance, it's a little bit technical, but it could cause a huge problem, is that some of the witnesses have already been called mm, and been, yeah. uh, been, been passed on, uh, have been finished. Now, if something arises in this evidence that calls for the defence to need to speak to witnesses that have already um, been finished, well, that's a huge issue because mm-hmm. they've been let go and, I mean, we don't... There's first of all the geographical issue of where they might be, but then there's also the procedural issue that um, defence and the prosecution have both said to have been finished with that witness, and if something arises out of this evidence that the defence need to uh, question a previous witness about, well, then that's a problem, and that and that's um, you know that's just one of the legal issues that arises from disclosure not being provided before the trial starts. So, Damien, if a witness has been dismissed and they did need to be recalled. Can that happen? Um, as we've said on a number of occasions, and I think this would be one of those cases, the judge would have the discretion to make a decision to recall that witness and allow the defence to reopen their cross-examination and they would, be, they would allow the prosecution to reopen their um, re-examination or examination in chief, whichever way you, uh, the, the judge decided it should be done. I know Paul Jovic said he didn't want to point fingers, but can we just talk about how this um, error, error, I guess it's a clerical error, how this error happened? We'll never get to the bottom of that. I guess in that report that's been ordered by the judge, in that statement that's been ordered by the judge, that's one of the reasons why I would have thought that the judge did that is because it it, it, it puts some onus back on everybody involved in the disclosure process to answer the questions of how it got to the point where we're at where we're at. And so hopefully that statement, whether it be in the form of an affidavit or, um, you know, like just a, a signed statement by somebody, it'll give the court some indication of how that happened and it'll, it'll allow the DPP and the Pathwest people to go back through their, um, their, their trail and make sure that in the future that doesn't happen. But one of the things that... Um, one of the things that when Mr Yovis says not pointing the fingers. I think what you can take from that is that it's not a case where we're pointing our fingers, but what we're saying collectively collectively as a legal institution is that let's let's get together, let's get to the bottom of this and find out why we're in this position because we don't want to be in this position in the future. That's right. And as you mentioned, Ali, Pathwest um, have already been under such scrutiny and the fact that these documents are missing... Um, doesn't doesn't go down well. It was a bit um, muddled about what was missing, what was scanned, what was handed over, but um, it was a, a whole heart leave a file apparently, but it wasn't just one or two documents. Mm. And because it centres on this evidence which is at the heart of this trial, the crucial DNA, uh, I think that's what, what's brought it into focus more than anything. If it was just some other stuff, but it's it's right down to the nitty gritty of what this trial is all about, and that was my first thought. Will will witnesses be recalled? Mm. Because um, I don't know whether they're referring to something next week. What are you going to be sitting at night time next week? Is that trying to hurry it up or, or <laughs> no, no, they, four to eight o'clock or something? No, yeah. that, that's that's to do with the, the time difference to yeah. the UK. Okay. But we'll, we'll explore that a little bit later. But um, yeah, I mean, Damien's exactly right, and that's where exactly. 
the quickest point that Justice Hall made was, well, yeah, it's all very well, uh, Mr. Bagdonovicius having to, you know, mm. hang around maybe for a couple of days. But what about witnesses that have gone? Uh, is this going to um, um, contradict what they've got to say? And no one could really say because no one had really got their heads around all, all these documents what yet, particularly mm. uh, Mr. Jovic. So. I think everyone will be holding their breath come Wednesday morning to see wh what first Miss Barbara Gallo and then Mr. Jovic has to say, having perused these documents for a couple of days, um, because if uh, the ripple effect could be a lot, a lot wider and, um, and a lot deeper. Um, but we, so we, but we can only hope that um, you know some very, very good brains will get their heads around it and uh, they can, uh, they can come to some arrangement. Yeah. Did Karma Barbogallo give any indication that the documents would be consistent with what's been presented or was that question not asked? Well, she, she, she was asked and she said as far as she knew that it, there wasn't any huge inconsistencies there, which was a, which was a, a, a little bit of a relief, but... From her point of From view. From her point of view, exactly. <laughs> Maybe but the defence will think the differently. You know, the judge will read them, um, and he's as we as we've said so many times. I mean, he's he's as sharp as a razor blade, so he'll cut through pretty quick. And then, obviously, Mr. Jovic as well, um, who's coming it from a different angle, but will be looking for the same things. And did the you know obviously outside court each day and then when something like this happens um, the journalists and the news crews are outside waiting um, was questions asked of the prosecutor or the defence and did we, they have anything to say? Well of course we, we ask the questions we know that there's not going to be any elaborate answer because their legal ethics prevent them from commenting on any case outside the court so for TV purposes we did get our little tense five second grab which gives us a story for the TV news and that's really all we needed to point out that one, uh, this is what's happened, two, it's going to be delayed and we don't even know if it's going to be Wednesday when they come back but um, this actually broke up a very, very boring from a television <laughs> point of view, um, DNA mind numbing experience <laughs> and it's these little this is why this trial is so full of surprises one we get a visit from the police commissioner two there's suddenly a suppression ban that no one can explain and three today we we've lost everything altogether so um it does keep that story in the in, in the focus of the public because otherwise the dna stuff is really like deciphering code no, only alison fan could say court being called off is a better story <laughs> than court being on all absolutely day, <laughs> you have to keep your wits about you at the moment don't you really <laughs> so you mentioned that um the adjournment is for a couple of days but do you suspect that we could be talking for a longer period of time because of the amount of documents that need to be looked over uh, yes, I do, if I'm being frank. Um, and I think it was sort of hinted at from all parties that, um, well, we'll come back on Wednesday and see where we're at, which is, uh, you know, which is never a, a, a hugely um, satisfying answer. Um, but the technicality of them, the amount of them, um, the fact that there's several layers to have look at. Okay, we're not just looking at the witnesses on the stand right at the moment and the witness to come, but we're also looking at the witnesses that have gone. Um, so they'll sort of they'll, they'll be reading and rereading. Um, and, and plus, if the judge wants this, um, uh, please explain 
um, before we start again, then that's going to take a while too. So, um, yeah, there's, there's pl- plenty of work to do um, over the next two days, even though they're not um, they're not actually standing up in court and, and, and doing that work. So, uh, so yeah, if, if I'm being honest, I'm sceptical about a Wednesday restart. And his honour will be even more displeased if mm. that doesn't happen. Yeah. Damien, how long does it take a defence team to go through an additional unforeseen 400 or so documents? Uh, it depends if you're billing by the hour, isn't it, Damien? <laughs> well, we're always billing by the hour. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why we're billing by the hour, if anybody's actually sat down with a document from Pathwest or one of those uh, companies, to go through them is quite painstaking because you don't want to miss anything. You have no. to make sure that you read the whole thing and you, you know, you're across everything that it says. So... It, the, obviously, to go through that amount of documents and how long that would take, um, guys, is, is, is too difficult to answer. But there's a couple of things to consider in, in that proposition is um, if Mr Jovic was doing it on his own, well, then that would be an, an, you know, an extremely um, arduous task. I imagine that he has uh, a team of some sort helping him and some solicitors that, that can go through those um, documents. But... What's got to be considered in that, if, if it was the other way around, if it was a case where the state was just going through them, they've got a big office um, down there where there's a lot of staff that can get, get involved in an emergency situation like this. But I'm not sure that um, Mr Edwards' defence team is financially set up in the same, with the same structure. So essentially, whatever they've got, whatever their team is, that's what they've got. And they're just going to have to sit down and go through it as quickly as they possibly can uh, because the onus will fall back on them to make sure they do... Um, which they will, go through the documents and, and comprehend them and understand what they, they mean in the context of the trial and then come back and be ready to deal with the, the trial to continue on in the knowledge of what those documents comprise. Yeah. And it was interesting this morning, Damien touched on it a little bit, we, you get this impression from you know, Law and Order and, and various movies about the, you know, the antagonistic um, prosecution versus defence and, and of course it is a contest and they're both arguing different points. But there was a there was a collegiality this morning that belied possibly the blunder by you know Mr. Jovic saying I don't blame Miss Barbagallo, Miss Barbagallo saying we're going to work with you to try and get all this sorted as quickly as we can. So um, it's you know it's it all the, the same the to me. Did demand he did demand an explanation, a written oh, report? Yeah, that that, mm. that is true. Mm. But uh, I, I get the impression that uh, Justice Hall would have asked for that anyway. Mm. So I think just Mr. Jovic got in first then mm. because he said. Well, yes, Mr. Jovic deserves one, and frankly, so do I. You know, and and Damien's point is absolutely right. They're, they're, these trials are not cheap to run either. They're, you know, you're talking of tens of thousands of dollars a day, with all the court staff and security and and, and resources that that it takes up. This is two days now lost at least, um, which is which is a, a cost to the taxpayer if you want to put it that way as well. So maybe we'll demand a, an exit. Please explain as well, Ali, or at least ask us. <laughs> Asked to see the judges. Well, the prosecution has also got about three times the number of the defence well, team, and they've probably got more lawyers at their fingertips. So I understand a couple of those on the defence team are law students sitting back there. Yep. So um, they, you, that was the first thing that I thought. You've got a department as big as the DPP. Um, not picking this up till the weekend before. I know they're doing a lot of this on the run and stuff's coming through at the last minute, but the weekend before... I just thought, mm, yeah. okay. But, but it's difficult to know that documents exist if you haven't seen yeah. them. Yeah. So, and you've, I all mean, of a sudden they're seeing what's this 
I've never and seen this before. To, I mean, you know, mm, Path I West know. is a pretty well um, Path West is a pretty well um, financed and uh, organisation as well. You know, the the top forensic lab in in the state, um, government owned. So you would have to trust them to be able to at least find everything and get and hand it over when they're supposed to. So yeah, there'll be a few questions uh, mm. bouncing around all over the place. And Mr. Jovic did acknowledge that Carmel Barbagallo is indeed working very hard. Well, we all know that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's that is stating the bleeding obvious. You're being but very polite to each other. Yeah, they in are. Court. They yeah. were and cordial. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to. Well, some lawyers do want to hop up and down and make a big point of it, but I, I, you don't get the impression that Mr. Jovic is trying to um, score points against someone who, who he knows is working, you know, as hard if not harder than he is. Yeah. Now you mentioned about the uh, witnesses next week that we were looking at um, late sitting. So what's that about? Yes, Tim, I'd like to know why am, I, why am I coming oh, to court at eight o'clock at you night? You were chasing lawyers <laughs> down the street when I was doing that important bit of work. So this is. Uh, some witnesses that are coming beamed in via satellite from the UK. So this is the Forensic Science Service that we've talked about, the crucial lab in the UK that did the work in 2008 that eventually did find, through low copy number testing, the uh, male DNA hit on Kira's fingernails, which the prosecution alleges are Mr Edwards's um, or is Mr Edwards's DNA. Um, and they are staff members, including um, a guy called Andrew Talbot, who was the actual scientist who did that um, swabbing and extracting and, and was, you know, doing all the business back in 08. Obviously very important, but uh, given the time difference to the UK, um, we will be starting late around about four o'clock our time, which is 8 a.m. their time. Um, uh, Ms. Barbara Gallo suggested, and that's this is why I said about the uh, working hard or yep. not harder. She suggested that we all sit till ten o'clock at yeah. night um, <laughs> to um, to get in all this evidence. The judge wasn't too enamoured with that idea, so he he he, he said maybe till eight o'clock. But we'll see how we go. Um, and because this is being done by um, uh, video link, um, it, it creates all its own problems. We had a previous video link, obviously, to uh, to uh, the third wheel. If we, if we remember that evidence way back in year, week two or three. Um, and so, yeah, um, it's just the nature of this trial. It's global, um, as our le- as our listenership has, um, has, has, has showed us. There's interest from all over the world and witnesses from all over the world. So that's what we'll get to uh, next week and then and, and beyond. So none of the um, overseas experts are actually coming up? Or are I, we doing it all by video I, I, I get an idea that Dr. Whittaker is, Jonathan Whittaker. Mm-hmm. I think he is um, because he wasn't mentioned this morning, but Ms. Talbot and another scientist were um, – Given that, given he is so important, um, I, I, I've been led to believe that he will be in, in, um, in person. But um, who knows? This delay might knock everything yeah, out yeah. because witness availability and all the ripple effects from from a trial mm. being delayed. You know, um, there'll be there'll be a lot of a uh, lot of shuffling of cards and papers and and emails and Skype and all yeah. the rest of it. I think this week it um, will probably be quite a big week with maybe some catch up going on if. Um, it doesn't sort of move quickly this week. Well, we need to let Damien go because you're about to jump on your plane, aren't you? Thanks, guys. I'll uh, talk to you again soon. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you for, com- for for calling in to us and thank you both for your time today. So while court won't be sitting tomorrow, we'll be back with an extra episode, 25 years to the day when Bradley Edwards brutally raped a teenage girl. We hope you can join us tomorrow for Claremont in Conversation. This podcast was produced by Kate Ryan and Alicia Preedy and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Audio files were provided from the archives of the Seven Network and the West Australian. 
Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au. Enjoying this podcast? If the story behind the headline matters to you, then you can count on thewest.com.au to deliver. For more on Claremont the trial, follow the live blog, watch the nightly news updates, and sign up for daily email updates at thewest.com.au. Subscribe now for just a dollar a day at thewest.com.au.